0: Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. We're really busy with a sermon series called 126 Jesus and our title for Tonight is part two, calm in his presence, relaxed in his will. You know, there's Afrikaans' word called rustig. I don't know if there's quite an English word that conveys the same feeling or idea, Ms. Mills? Yeah, Maybe restful, you know, but if you do something restful, it sounds weird, but the, but the idea is restag, you know, and we, we merge these two words, calm and relaxed. And what we're busy looking at is this verse in 1 John 2, verse 6, that says the following. Whoever says he abides in him, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. In other words, when we say we believe in Jesus, when we say we know Jesus, and we are a church that spends time in the presence of Jesus, then scripture says, then we should walk as he walked. We should embody the life of Christ on earth. That is the natural outflow of believing in Him, of abiding in Him, of knowing Him. Nothing else can be the outflow. There could be no other result. Bearing good fruits, becoming like Jesus. And these three weeks, we're specifically looking at that. If you missed part one, you can go and listen to that. It is available on the internet, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can listen to that as well maybe you're also thinking to yourself, now: yes, Vian, it's great that you want to focus for three weeks on becoming like Jesus, but shouldn't this always be the focus for us as a church? And that will always be the focus, but we just want to lay down a couple of boundaries or guidelines when it comes to becoming like Jesus. Because one of the most dangerous things is a biblical concept without the biblical truth that goes with that. You know, Maybe for some of us sitting here tonight and... You've experienced this. You were at a group of people, they called themselves Christians. Maybe it was a church or a fellowship group or wherever you were and you got the most hurt that you've ever experienced in your life. Now, how's that possible? Because these people said they were trying to be like Jesus. Maybe we look at church history, some bad things done in the name of Christianity. Nowhere near being like Christ but that was the label that was put on that. You know, whenever you tell the people of the world, you know, Christian, Christianity, Jesus, different emotions come up. For certain people, it's, it's a joyous thing. Love it. Yes. It's my family. I've, I experienced love there. I experienced hope and peace there. But for other pe- people, they experience rejection. Outcast. Not welcome there. Got hurt there. They don't accept me for who I am. I'm not saying we should just accept everything, but that's the feeling that certain people experience. You know, how, why is that so? It's because the concept is there, but no biblical value or truth to guide the concept that was given us through Scripture. So we just want to lay down a couple of boundaries and guidelines. And last week as we prayed and asked God, you know, Lord, just give us a, a fresh revelation of who you are. One of the things that really stood out me and as a small group, we busy reading through the Gospels. Was the fact that Jesus was always calm, always relaxed. He was never in a haste, busy somewhere, you know, too busy for people, burnt out, tired. It was never something that was true of Jesus. Relaxed, calm. You know, maybe to put it into a term, he was always full of fruit, always full of good fruit. Every single fruit of the Spirit always present in every moment of his life. Everywhere he went. And why is that and how can we imitate that? And maybe you're saying, yeah, obviously he was God. That's why. Makes it a bit easier. But he was also fully man. And Jesus says if we imitate this principle, if we abide in him, then the same outcome would be true for us. We can also live as he lived. And this calmness and this relaxedness that Jesus approached life with is very in contrast to what we see today. You know, even when I, I googled the definition, I was looking for this better word for the word ristach. And when I googled, you know, the opposite of haste, doing something and always being busy, the opposite of that was procrastination. You know, the world's like, if you're not in a haste then you're busy doing nothing. That's our definition of it. And it kind of seems that way. And the idea that the world pitches to us, if you're not constantly busy, you're lazy. You're not doing what you should do. A great lies sold to us by the enemy, constantly keeping us busy. The man that is always in a haste cannot discern the will of God for his life. Because we are not called to run everywhere. You know, and even on Saturdays these days, you know supposed to be a quiet day where everybody just relaxes. And yesterday, as I'm driving around, everybody's just running somewhere. <laughs> Don't you notice that. Don't know what was wrong. And I just told myself, no, I not do that. I'm going to be like Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to be relaxed, eh? Hanu says, amen. Amen to that. Sanctifi- Sanctification needs to happen in this place, you know. Poor Aubrey, didn't jog for a whole year maybe and he even got you know, caught up in the world system and there he goes running. And he's feeling it today. <laughs> wasn't a smart thing. You know? We should learn from his lessons. But everybody's in a house, you know. Everybody's busy running somewhere. Busy doing something. And when, when we don't live like that, it seems weird to the world. We actually, you know, there's a thing that they said you should stop glorifying the phrase busy. And we actually kind of feel nice when we say that. Now it's going, oh, very busy. Very busy, very important, very busy. That's my life. And we do that, and we feel like that sometimes. You know, but the truth is, you know, and I've spoken to a couple of people, and if you feel like that, you know, this morning I got a couple of smiles. But it's only the first week of March, and people say, yes, I think I already need a vacation again. I'm already tired again. It was so busy at the beginning of the year. I think I need a vacation again. Who, who maybe feels like that? When, who said those words? And then it's fine, and there's going to be busy times in our lives, and there's going to be times when we, we're really busy, we get a bit tired. But if we constantly feel like that, if we're constantly busy, never have time to calm down or to relax, then we're doing something wrong. It's not the life that God intends for us to live. It's not certainly not the life that Jesus modeled to us. You know, the generation that we're living in and the times that we're living in, very, very weird times. Restless times. People say that this is a restless generation. Can't find rest. Distracted generation. You know, the teens these days, it's normal for them to watch three different screens. Distracted. Always busy with something. Something. I have the TV on, there's something playing, but I also have my iPad here, and that's busy playing something else, and I'm also on my phone on social media. Yeah, even some of the older people, two screens, busy with the TV and my phone. Social media, YouTube, whatever it might be, but there's also something on TV. Very distracted, very restless. You can't quite switch off. And then if, if you're a woman now, and you have a husband, don't, don't take ammo to go and tell him this at home. But also a lack of being present. We can't really be present in the moment. You know, dad's there, but he's not really there. He's thinking of something else. When I'm meeting with someone, my phone's there, and I'm busy speaking to you, but the moment it vibrates, I'm wondering, ooh, what's this? Who's calling, you know, who's, who's saying something? What is it? Distracted. Can't be fully Present. You know, and with that comes the greatest touch in depression, anxiety, hopelessness that we have ever seen. It's normal for people to burn out. It's like, how are we gonna cope when we burn out? But burn out we will. It's normal to expect that of people because we're so busy, so distracted. And also just to ask us before we dive in tonight, and what is your idea of rest? Considering we're so busy all the time and you know, we maybe need a new vacation, we're we, we tired already. What's your idea of rest? And because you're in the church now, don't don't think of a spiritual answer. Just think of what do you normally do when you try to rest? What have you done? Because that's the idea you've accepted. This is my idea of rest that I believe is going to help me when I'm tired, when I'm weary. This is rest for me. What is that for you? How does it look like? Second question. How many times do you think Jesus went on a vacation? Now remember that one passage where he says to Peter, hey, you guys just check everything over here. I'm going to the ocean for a couple of weeks. They went fishing, don't know if that counts. But he never went on a vacation. And please do not hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying don't go on a vacation. But let's see you know, what we can learn from Jesus. Why was he always full of fruit? Why did he never burn out? Why never anxious? Yes, he was anxious in the garden, but the moment he turned his heart to the Father, he could get up and, and move on. Yes, he grew physically tired when he fasted 40 days, but never burnout, never constant depression. It was never true of Jesus' life, and how can we see that? You know, How can we do that? Always full of fruit. You know, many times we... We want to replace the fruit without checking where this is coming from, the root of it. It's not there and we paste on a little fruit when we go on vacation and we wonder when February comes why it's not sustainable. You know, what's going on here? But we have to replace the fruit. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture in Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. well-known passage of Scripture. But let's see what we can learn from this. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Come to me, all who are labor and heavy laden, who are tired, who are burnt out, who are anxious, who are depressed, who are hopeless. Any burden that you're carrying on your shoulders, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the first thing that we notice when we read this passage is God's idea of rest Looks a little bit different from ours. Especially this idea of vacation. You know, many, many times we think of rest as something passive. I'm going to stop doing something. I'm going to rest from this. I'm going to break away and I'm going to go somewhere and stop doing that for a while. I'm going to rest. But now we see that God's idea of rest is an act of rest. There's yoking that's going to be done. There's still a burden to bear, but it's a light one. You know, yoke is that thing that you put around an ox's neck when he pulls a plow or a carriage or horse. You know, the things that we put around their necks. That is what Jesus is speaking about, yeah. You know, why don't you put this thing around your neck, pull this plow and rest? It's like this makes no sense. This is not our idea of rest. Jesus, don't don't you maybe he was a bit tired here and he got the words confused. Maybe he meant, no, put down the yoke, put aside the burden, and go lie down for a while. Take a nap. Drink some water, get up, put it on again, and then we'll continue. Maybe that is what he's trying to say. But now we see that there's an, an active rest that happens here, what Jesus is speaking about here. And he also says that we can learn this from him. Part of putting on the yoke is learning from Jesus, but he also modeled this in his own life. So where do we begin? Verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's no giving of the rest. There's no coming to Jesus. You know, and it's interesting, and I've spoken to a lot of people that have said the following words. I'm just so busy and so tired when I come home or when I wake up in the morning, I don't have time to set aside to spend time with God. To translate that into a different picture is saying, I am too thirsty to drink water. You're too tired, too busy to spend time with the one who gives rest. It's not going to work and you won't find rest until you come to Him. He's the only one that can give you rest. You know, inherently, we as humans, by nature, we were made to spend time in the presence of God. We were made for God. Saint Augustine, has this wonderful quote, and he says, Our hearts will remain restless until we find rest in Him. But without Him, there will be no rest. There will be a restlessness. Even though you're on vacation for a year, there will remain a restlessness in your heart until you find rest in Him. He is the only Give off rest. And then if you're too busy to spend time with God, then you're busy doing something that you should not be doing. I remember we were going to PE a a couple of years back, and and Murray went to preach there at a certain congregation, and he said that God will give you enough time to live out His will for your life. You will never have enough time for extra add-ons and stuff, but for the will of God for your life, you will have enough time. Every person is called to first and foremost spend time with God. There's a beautiful passage of Scripture in Mark 3, verse 13 to 14, which says Jesus went up on a high mountain and he called to himself those whom he himself desired and they came to him. And he called them so that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. The being with him is essentially a part of each and everyone's calling. And if you don't have time for that, then you're doing something outside the will of God for your life. Because that is where you find rest. And also to say vacation is a coping mechanism if the main idea is not to break away, to spend as much time as possible with God. you look at your vocations and there's no more time with God, it's just a coping mechanism. It's just something that distracts you from the tiredness that you're experiencing. And we're wondering why it's February, end of February, and I already feel tired. Why is that? Because you never rested. Because you never spent time with God. You were just distracted from the restlessness within you. From the weariness within you. It was always there. Just distracted from it a little while. And it didn't take long for it to reappear. Just past the fruit. We did nothing to the root. And the fruit just withered and died again. And we wonder why. And that that is why it, it happens. And when we look at the life of Jesus in his busiest moments... He always made time to spend time with the Father. Nothing stole from that. Nothing kept him too busy to go to God. Just two scriptures that illustrate this point. Mark 1 verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. Matthew 14, 23. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. And that last passage speaks about feeding the crowds. They were there for a long time, quite busy, quite tired. And his first instinct is not to go and take a nap, but it's to spend time with the Father, to go to the one who gives rest. That is the first thing that I'm going to do. And a lot of other places in Scripture, always calm in the presence of the Father. Jesus first goes and he prays and he sets himself aside. Unbothered, calm in the presence of his father. And we are called to be calm in the presence of Jesus. You know, and a point that I also want to make is not only, you know, for us, and many times we do that, you know, we, we set ourselves aside maybe in the morning or at night and we're going to make time and spend time with God, but then we're going to rush out of there. And we're going to run around and we're going to do a, a bunch of things and at night we're going to come and sit. Again, and there was this two moments of of rest and calmness, but the rest of the time it was quite hectic. But just to teach ourselves that God is always present. He is everywhere. So as you go through your day, as you drive to work, as you go to that meeting, as you sit down to work, won't you start everything just by prayer? It doesn't have to be long. Just a quick prayer. And also not, Lord, come and bless what I'm about to do. No, but Lord... Make me aware of your presence in everything I do. Make me aware that you are here, Lord. What you want to do, what you want to say, where you want to lead. Just that prayer. Amen. And then you go about your day. Day one, you probably will forget. You'll arrive home and it's like, oh, shucks, I forgot totally. Maybe it'll take you a week and remember, oh, shucks, I totally forgot to pray as I went through my week for everything. It's not something that comes naturally. But let's be intentional about doing that, about being aware of the presence of God in our lives. Takes us to point number one. Find rest in the presence of Jesus. And you can do what you want to do with whatever the world has sold to you about this idea of rest. If Jesus is not present in you, you are not present to Jesus, you will not rest. He's the only one that can give you that rest. You're gonna get it nowhere else. Like I said, you can go on a year-long vacation, there's going to remain a restlessness within you. Something that's still bothering. That anxiety is still there. You know, some people literally come driving home from vacation and their anxiety starts to come back. That hopelessness starts to come back. Because I put a fruit on the tree, but the root is still there. And when we are intentional about abiding in Him, and spending time with Him, then the fruit is lasting. Without intentional abiding in Christ, there will be no lasting fruit. John 15, whoever abides in me, it is he that bears much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. There will be nothing good that comes out of our lives. You know, maybe you're saying literally, I I hear what you're saying now, but I don't know, what, what should I leave? What should I put down? What should I stop doing? Because I don't seem to have time. And the truth is, and we'll see this through the rest of this passage, is that it's one of two things. You either have a yoke placed on you that is not of God. It's either you placed it there yourself, or the world is wanting to put it there for you. Or you're not immediate in your obedience to what God has called you to do. You're waiting till it piles up, and then by default, we'll be too busy again. If we don't immediately obey the things God has called us to. But let's quickly look at this yoke. Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. As soon as we take on this yoke, as soon as we start to learn from Jesus, then comes the rest because the moment we go to him, there'll be a yoke to put on. There'll be a teaching waiting for us. What is this yoke that Jesus is speaking about? He's speaking about his will for our lives. You know, Hanu basically did the sermon in a under a minute, you know, with that word that he shared. Praying, going to God and being there with him. And he will reveal his work, his will to you. And if we live that out, then you will bear much fruit. So if you need to be somewhere else, that was the sermon. And you're welcome to, to leave. This is just the extended version of that. Uh, but God is faithful and, and just putting us putting it there they for us, you know, the word confirming what he wants to say. So the, the different yokes, the different wills that is on our lives, is either our own will or the yoke of the world. Sometimes there's something that we want to do. And maybe God has even told you, you that, that is not from me. I didn't call you to do that. It's keeping you busy. It's making you anxious. Because whenever we want to do our own will, we need to support our own strength. This I'm going to do in my own strength. I'm not going to lean on Christ. I'm going to lean on myself. The result, that will be up to me. I'm constantly anxious. Will this work out or am I going to be a failure? You're not called to live that way. Do not lean on yourself. Remove that yoke from you. The other one is the one of the world. What they expect of you. People want you to live a certain life. Expect certain things from you. The world's definition of success and what we are called to do is different from that of Christ. It's a different yoke. It's not something we are called to carry. And Jesus also shows us what we should do whenever this temptation comes and the world wants to come and distract us. And it's not something wild, you know, that causes us to go into sin or drastically away from the will of God. But you only have a limited time. Every time you say yes to someone to go and do something, you have less time for something else. There needs to be godly boundaries in our lives. See what happens. Just after Jesus went and prayed in Mark 1, 35, the following happens. Mark one thirty-six to 38. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. Lord, the world's waiting. The people have come, the crowds have gathered. And they don't want you to do bad things. They want you to preach to them. They want you to heal them. They want to spend time with you. And what does Jesus reply? He says, Let us go on to the next towns that I might preach there also. For that is why I came. It might be a good thing that these people want, but it's not currently the will of God for my life. It's not what I'm supposed to do now. It's going to keep me busy. It's going to distract me from what I was called to do. And then maybe in that instance, you can just hear the disciples say, but, But Lord, Don't you want to speak to them? Don't you want to heal them? And at that moment, Jesus would answer, even if I wanted to, I'm also not here to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And we read that in John 6, 38. For I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And I'm not saying that Jesus and the Father had, had a different will, it was always aligned. Exact same purpose, God three in one, always united. But what Jesus is saying, even if it should have differed, it's not why I came. I came to please one and one alone. and That is the Father. I've come to live out His will for my life. And Jesus is saying the same yoke that I placed on myself, I'm calling you to place on you. I've set the example. I won't expect something of you that I didn't do myself. But I lived in the will of the Father. Won't you do the same? takes us to point number two. Find rest in the will of Jesus. And to say to us tonight, you don't have enough time to live out your will for your life and God's will for your life. It's not enough time. You don't have enough time to live out people's will for your life and God's will for your life. You don't have enough time to please God and to please man. You were made to please one. You were made to live for one. And The greatest struggle that Christians face these days is that they struggle to live out the will of God for their lives because they don't know what the will of God is. We don't know what it is. Point number two can literally not happen without point number one. I need to go to him to hear what it is that he's wanting to place in my life. What is his will? Maybe to ask that to us tonight. What is God's will for your life? What is he calling you to do? How do you please God? One just simple thing when it comes to pleasing God is, I delight in obedience rather than sacrifice. I delight in obedience. Whenever you hear God telling you something, whenever you read God telling you something, obey. That will give him great delight. I delight in obedience rather than in sacrifice. Yeah, but the opposite is also true. There are certain Christians that know the will of God, yet they find no rest in that. Why is that? because they struggle to live it out. It's one thing to know the will of God, it's a different thing to live it out. Difficult. The points tonight are are quite simple, but they're difficult to live out. Point one and two, that's the easiest. Coming to Jesus, asking Him what His will is for my life. Then comes the living out part. Then is when it gets a bit difficult. Not because it's a, A heavy burden to bear but because there's something wrong in the human heart we'll take a look at that in just a moment Now, the rest of scripture speaks about this yoke that we place on or the will of God that we should live out for our lives, the Old Testament calls it paths, paths that we should walk upon, we read in Jeremiah 1 verse 16 thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it And find rest for your souls. As you walk in it, you will find rest for your souls. As you actively obey, you will find rest for your souls. It has always been that way and it will never change. Never will it change. But the world has come and sold us a lie. Now it's going to be difficult to obey God. It's going to be hard for you. It's going to be tiresome. It's not going to give you rest. That is not the truth. You know, and... The inescapable truth that we read from this passage is that the fault lies not with God. Like Anu said, there's a a weird idea that the world wants to sell you that you don't know the will of God for your life and you can't find out. That is a lie. God is constantly inviting, come to me. Put on the yoke. Learn from me. Ask where the path is. I want to show that to you. I want to make myself known. To every person, God doesn't want to hide himself. But where does the problem come in? What does the human heart say? We will not walk in it. We don't want to walk in the will of God for our lives. Then in verse 17, God says, it's not on the board, but he says that I've placed watchmen over you to blow the trumpet, but you said, I don't want to listen. God says, I want to show you What the will of my of your life is that I have for you. I want to show it to you. I want to show what gives life, what gives rest, and I want to warn you when something is going to come against that to distract you. But we don't want to listen. And to be honest with ourselves tonight, if you want to know where your heart is at, you'll find the truth by looking at how intentionally you are seeking God and His will for your life. Because if we are intentional. He will show it to us. He doesn't want to hide it from us. He wants to reveal it. He wants to reveal himself. He's always been speaking. He's always been inviting. I want to show you who I am. Believe in me. Come to me. All who are. Not some. Not those over there. All who are. And I want to teach you things. I want to place my yoke upon you. But it's light. It's not heavy. It's a good thing. It's not gonna weigh you down. And also just to say, you know, and this is a sobering truth that my wife actually says, so don't be mad at me be, but also don't be mad at her. <laughs> so what she says is you know, many times we, we believe that we have gotten this thing, You know, we've gotten a promotion at work, so that's gonna take a bit more of our time, but more responsibility. Maybe you, you have kids. We've received kids. Now, both of those things is a gift from God. Now, why do we believe that a gift from God will distract us from the will of God for our lives? It won't work that way. God is not saying to you, hey, yes, Maria Yanda, which is time, you know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. But He's not saying, you know, you guys, you're spending so much time in my presence. I'm so bit bit enough, you know. I've had enough of you guys. He has kids. Look after them for a couple of years and then we'll speak after you've raised them. He doesn't do that. It's in the will of God for us. He doesn't give you a promotion to spend less time with Him. It makes no sense. Every gift from God is supposed to draw you closer to God, make you more like Christ, understand His goodness more. It's going to be difficult, but if we're intentional, He will give rest. Now he's saying to that, that weary mom, come to me, I'll give you rest. I want that for you, but come, come to me. That takes us to the third point. Find rest in the immediate obedience to Jesus. And the the reason I say immediate is when we read the Gospel of Mark, now, every now and again Mark will make a statement and immediately Jesus went to the synagogues. Immediately made his disciples get into the boat and cross to the other side of the sea. Immediately he went to a certain place. And it might sound like you know he's a bit busy or in a haste, but that's not the case. It just shows that he was immediately obeying the will of the Father. Immediate obedience. That's what Jesus was busy with. You know, and this is not some weird a no spiritual truth for only the spiritual areas of our lives but this is a truth for every area of our life did you know that god also wants you to be immediately obedient at work if you believe that your work is from god then every task at work is a task from god yay yeah? where's the excitement come on they've given you that work then every task that you have at work is a task from God and you need to immediately obey that why because when you get home tonight the will of God for you is to be present with your family not busy with other things because you waited too long As well is that you would be there for your wife your husband your kids spend time with them that is his will for your life Never any form of procrastination is never the will of God. Yay. Let's be honest. Come on, who's the procrastinators? Yes, there's some honesty over there. Any form of procrastination. You either have to decide between two things. Either the thing that you're not about to do is not what God has called you to do, so I won't do it at all. Or if it is something that God has called me to do, I'm going to be immediately obedient. Otherwise it's going to pile up and there's going to come a day when I have to rush again. And the rushed man cannot discern the will of God for his life because he's not in the moment aware about what God is doing, where he's leading, what he's saying. Because I'm rushing past that. We see an example of that when Jesus fed the 5,000. The disciples, they in a hurry, they in a hurry. Lord, we've got to get them home. They've got to go and eat. And Jesus is like, no, if you're present, I want to feed them now why don't you go get some bread for them? No, oh, Lord, where? And if they spend that morning in prayer separate with, with the Father, they knew, oh, supplies are going to come. They were going to fetch that little boy before, he, before Jesus asked. I want to feed them. We know, Lord, here's the boy. We know what the Father wants to do. We're not in a hurry. We're not rushed. We know what you're up to. And we always want to know. We always want to be calm in the presence of God relaxed in his will. and i want to end off with this last scripture in matthew 11 for my yoke is easy and my burden is light jesus is saying it's not like the one of the world now how heavy a burden it is to be to always worry about what people think